Okay. All right. We are live. What's up, guys? John Sintes here, Cutter Nation Podcast. Johnny, yeah, 87. Do you want to change it? Do you want to change it right now? No, no. I, I already took care of it. I, I did the oh, okay. stuff. It's, All right. Oh, yeah, 87-88. Yeah, it's okay. Well, we snuck in a podcast before this, so Coach Ferber, the man. But first, please don't forget, please rate, review, and subscribe. The numbers have been going up. We're super excited. We've been getting monster guests just like our man here, Mr. Ferber, Mr. Jason, Coach Ferber. Um, But without further ado, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to come over here and just drop some spiciness on us because you are one of my favorite – just coaches I've ever seen because of the level of fun that you put into the game that is just missed so much at, at, at the level. Um, and, and I feel like you're, what you do to, for kids mentality and the, the, the perspective that you bring to them is just so valuable. And it, and it shows in the amount of guys that you've gotten to the next level and, and how things have gone. So, my hat's off to you on, on how you go about training your guys and, and the way they present themselves, you know, displaying the influence that you've put upon them. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, guys. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, it's always a, it's always an honor. Uh, and, you know, to, to be able to, you know, come on and share ideas with other coaches that, that like to talk about network and stuff like that. So many guys feel like they're off in their own little island. And I, li- I always like the, kind of the the way that you guys have been sharing information on, on all your outlets uh, because it seems like you're very open to connect people. And for me, I, I, I don't know any other way to learn um, or to play catch up because I got to play catch up in a lot of stuff. Like the stuff that you got that some of the younger guys are really, uh, uh, really skilled in, like the data stuff. I'm playing catch up right now, you know, and, and that's OK, you know, because some of the younger guys are playing catch up in. Some of the areas that you were talking about, like building relationships with kids, how to build trust with a young athlete and, 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 and when it, it when, you know, what buttons you have to press with certain guys. Some of that comes with experience. And the more athletes, young athletes in different ages were around, you start to see like, oh, wait, I can't treat that guy like this guy. He's going to shut down. Or you say, wait, I'm dealing, I'm, I'm talking to a Dominican kid. I can't tell any fancy words. He doesn't understand what I'm saying. I got to do something else to, to, to get through him. So uh, I appreciate all, all that stuff. And, and I really love what you guys do, too. So thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate that, man. Um, I, was, uh, I always say this all the time, how um, I think we have a, a, actually an advantage by working with really young players. Um, I, I was just ended our last podcast talking about um, yesterday. I had a seven-year-old. He's from out east, actually. And I don't know if you – yeah, you did sit the, the two, three, four thing. That, that was just brilliant. I'm never going to be able to forget that because it now gives me access to seven-year-olds' brains. But it also is like, I'm going to get pro guys that are like doing weird things with their hands. And I'll be just like, put a two on the ball and it's going to be game over. Um, so um, my question to you is, because I, dude, I, I've known you forever. So uh, where did this start? Like, how did you know? I mean, I, I, I imagine my, uh, my old boss, Gene Larkin, is from the Bronx. So I kind of get the idea of where you guys are coming from, but how did you know how to connect to the level that you do with your kids? Like what inspired that? Who were the people that showed you that? Or, you know, where did that come from? Um, I think growing up, um, I grew up really poor. My family, we were on welfare in Brooklyn and in the eighties too. So there was a big crime, a big spike in crime, big crack epidemic. Uh, in that in that in that time period, 
So learning how to maneuver around different groups of people was essential. Like you had to have that skill or you were going to get eaten alive because there was uh, guys that could freestyle rap. That, that whole thing was going on. They had a group of guys that were athletes. They had a group of guys that were drug dealers. They had a group of guys that were um, gang affiliated, tried to rob the drug dealers. They had they had uh, um, artists, graffiti artists, right? They had all these different little pockets of, of kids that were competing and having fun, right? Even the drug dealers to a, to a, to a degree, they're competing too, right? And I'm just being honest about what, what you're looking at on a daily basis, right? So you kind of choose where you spend your time with. Um, I had an older brother that I hung out with a lot of his friends three years older than me. So I was constantly overmatched growing up in the games that I was playing. I, I, I always got my shot blocked in basketball because everybody was a foot taller than me. Um, graf graffiti, I was no good. I tried it trash i couldn't freestyle i would be like jay-z right now trust me if i could if i could freestyle rap i would be doing that but i could, couldn't do that either but I, but it started with stickball and 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 i was we used to play for uh an italian ice a slice of pizza so back so so in the 80s you could get a slice of pizza and italian ice rainbow flavored italian ice not the cherry that's the fugaze you want the italian ice rainbow flavored okay and then you get a, co a small Coke for $1.50, okay? Johnny, Johnny, right. you better pay attention because if you want to <laughs> eat out here, okay, you want to eat, you better be ready to gas somebody up or hit a bomb because you play, you, play head up for, yeah. you play head up for lunch for lunch every single day, right? That's how you get that's it. Awesome. That's, you need to eat lunch or you're buying somebody else's lunch. And when you have no money, trust me, it's valuable, $1.50, okay? So you go out there and you just gas it up hard as you can possibly throw. There is no curveballs. There is no changeups. That's non-existent in 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 a, in a stickball game. And then there are no flared singles to right field. They're either bombs over the over over the next building down the street and into the sewer, and it's gone, right? And you gotta fish it out. When when you lose when you lose the blue spalding bouncy balls, right? The only way to get those, because you can't keep buying them if you have no money, it's pretty disgusting. You have to take a hanger, a clothes hanger, and straighten it out, right? And leave a little hook on the end. Then you got to go into the sewer where all the rats are, like your arm, like where that, you know that clown movie, uh, what was it called again? It, it or whatever? It. No, yeah. It, yeah, like like you have to go down in the sewer. You got to float down. Out. You got to float down first, yeah. You don't want to go all the way, but float, we did. Yeah. I, I, I want to say here, I have put my hand. I have put my arm in a sewer before, and that's not nothing I'm proud about because I I didn't get corona. <laughs> I didn't get, I, I didn't get corona. I had to get a small <laughs> bean, man. But but that that's where it started. That's where it started, man. It was like just grimy, like street street uh uh street game, you know. And 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 um, you know, when you don't have a lot of money, yeah, that's the only that's the only uh leverage and and the only trade you can do is all right, well. I can get picked up first in this game, right? And that doesn't cost me any money. If I if I if I go out here and I ball out, these guys are gonna want me to. So you try to build self confidence, and and uh, you know, as a young kid, if you don't have money, you got to find other ways to build that. Say, man, I don't have any. I don't have nice clothes. This guy got the new Jordans down the street. I don't have those. I don't have a gold chain. I don't have. Uh, my family doesn't have a car. You know, kids making fun of you sometimes, and you say, well, the only thing you can do at that point, do stuff where the the the, the exchange of goods and services is not like with money, right? So that's pretty much where the love of it started. 
and I think it, it being in those different, I'm also on Puerto Rican and Jewish, which is a very weird combination, Gas. Okay. Yeah. Puerto Rican, it's like they used to call me Juan Epstein, okay, back in the day, <laughs> right? Oh, man. <laughs> hey, I, the, the, the joke was see, here's the thing if you're Puerto Rican and Jewish, right? It, it's very simple. What you want, what you, this is what. This is this is what this is What's what you up, strive for as a, as a baseball up. player, as an athlete. <laughs> listen, listen. You want you want the you want the Puerto Rican athleticism and 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 finesse, and you want the Jewish money, right? That's what you want. I unfortunately got the Jewish finesse and the Puerto Rican money. No good. It was reversed. I, Johnny Spinray. Yeah. Hey, I, I needed awesome. Puerto Rican salsa, man. Hey. <laughs> well, here's here's a funny little connection. I'm actually half Puerto Rican also, and and uh, Puerto Rican and Welsh. And it's so funny because my my dad gives me a, a hard time sometimes because he's like, I have no idea how you fell in love with baseball. My dad was a surfer in the '70s, never really played sports, but like always pretty pretty good athlete though. Looking back on like how much he surfed and and how much he traveled the world surfing and stuff. But I, I think it just started with a TV thing, but. And then, you know, the neighborhood kids. I remember having a hockey goal with a piece of cardboard that my dad zip tied to it for the strike zone. And we would play all day, all day with the tennis ball, baseball, you know, and just, you know, it was like the sidewalk, the tree and the mailbox were, it were, were bases and stuff. And so, you know, the, the thing that I get with the stories that you've told and some of the other people told on the podcast it seems to be that from the genesis, there's a one-on-one -on -one idea in baseball and people fall in love with that idea. Um, and the way that you approach the game, the way that we approach the game, it's very you know similar understanding that like you basically were learning how to compete inside of live at bats with like your world on the line, right? Like what a higher state game that you were playing at the age that you were in the middle of the street. And that competition births such great things. And I don't understand in the game of baseball how that's not identified more. Um, looking back on my personal experience, you know? Yeah, 100%. I, I, I put it this way. When you look at it, I'm glad you said that because there's also a big piece of it, I think, nowadays that it's very hard to compare, okay? What, that, that people don't realize is that when I, I was doing that or even anybody who didn't have social media when they were growing up, okay, which I'm in that group of when I was 14, 13, 14, 15, those crucial 11, 12 development stages where you're finding out who you are as a person, what level you compete at, where you fit in, right? That, that stage, I was comparing myself to the guys in my neighborhood, okay? So 500 maybe, the guys that played that I knew, you know, from different parts of the city, different neighborhoods, that's who came out to play. So you judged yourself based off that. Now, if I'm judging myself off of a kid in Oregon that throws 95 from the left side and I'm 15, I'm judging myself on social media on 9 million amateur baseball players, right? So, so it's skewed. You're not, my, my goal wasn't necessarily to make it to the big leagues when I was growing up. Everybody has these dreams of being, I used to love watching Derek Jeter. I would go to the thing, but I wasn't even dreaming that big. I, I'd like to be honest with you and say that 
I dreamt I could be dear Derek Jr. The, the thought passed my mind, but I didn't sit like a lot of guys saying I just dreamed of, you know, becoming Mike Trout. I was just content because of the situation I was in and, and how much I didn't feel good about myself in general at the time based on my situation. I was content just getting picked first or second in the game and being the guy in the neighborhood with like, oh, like that's a dude right there. I was happy with that because it gave me something to feel good about. And, and so it depends, I think, what you're surrounding yourself. You know, if you're a kid that grew up in Texas and every single person in your family was a baseball player for the last hundred years and your grandfather played minor leagues and you know, you're going to grow up different. The, the way you perceive what the game is, is different completely than a guy that's just in totally. a neighborhood blown out. So I think it's, it's, it's key to, for kids to understand, like, I don't need to compare myself with 9 million people. That's not the way that even God or nature intended for us to, we're supposed to compete with the guys in our village for the prettiest girl. That's it. Right. We're supposed to throw a spear farther than the guy in, in our village to get the prettiest girl. I'm the strongest in the village. Okay, if I compare myself to every caveman in the world, now it's it's off, right? Something's off. I, I, love, I love the idea of comparing yourself to who you were yesterday. And I yeah. think that um, what you just said, though, is part of the reality of it, right? So I think there's the ideal part where I can sit and tell every kid, you know, you shouldn't be looking at anybody. You should only be focusing on what you did yesterday and how you can do it better today. One percent, whatever, however you want to say it. Kaizen, you know, the whole the whole shtick. But then the reality is like, how are you going to get that girl? How are you going to be picked first? Like, you're not going to just do that by competing. You have to know who you're who you're with. Um, and I think one thing that's, you know, as I'm just like on this journey professionally and personally, it's like the people that get it are the ones that. Um, also know how to see everything else almost as if it's a movie in front of them. John and I on the podcast before we're talking about the Michael Jordan stuff. And it's like, I, I think that's, I don't think he like attached himself to anything. Um, he was just constantly like observing, observing, observing. And I think that's, that's, that's part of the thing that you lose. And if I'm only stuck comparing myself to yesterday, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit too in my head with that. You know, so it's it's an interesting balance. And I'll leave it with this. It's so funny how, um, you know, you talked at the beginning of this is of us connecting this and, um, you know, just being us being connectors. And in Minnesota, I don't know if you knew this, Jason, but I moved here at the end of 2018. And that's kind of what made me right. really go hard with this with John was that in that community, everybody was like, yeah, that guy isn't what we are. And this guy isn't what we are. And it, it, nobody was talking to one another and collaborating. And, and I left and I'm like, damn, I didn't know who, do you know who Cal Dietz is? Cal Dietz, why does that name sound familiar? So Cal Dietz is the strength coach at the University of Minnesota and he uh, okay. uh, came up with the idea of triphasic training, which is just the idea that you have the eccentric, isometric and concentric phases of the, the lift. And so like, I'm, I'm oversimplifying this, but a very simple way to think about it is you'll do a six week strength program. The first two weeks are gonna be isometrics. Like all of your lifts are only just hold it at the bottom, hold it at the top or hold it in the middle, okay. something like that. And then the next two weeks are gonna be, you're only gonna focus on lowering the weight, right? The lowering of the pull-up, the lowering of the squat, the lowering of the deadlift. And then that last two weeks, you're gonna do it all together, right? Your full normal squat where you're focusing on the concentric. And um, had you heard of the triphasic idea or is this familiar? No, it, you know, it's I, no, I'm what I'm thinking you're making me think of right now. I knew a guy, this is 15 or 20 years ago, that was 
he was, I bet you knew him from a nightclub scene when I used to go out, but the guy was shredded, okay? And he was a Persian dude. Is this that, it's gonna get somewhere, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy was telling me, I was like, you know, when you see a guy, like, hey, what do you do for work? What do you eat? That's not what you got it that, that, that's into working out. And, and the guy was like, I do no weights, I do no um, cardio. He says, what I do is I do, I pose, I hold poses. I think it's isometric. I don't know. But like the guys that on stage, he, he would hold poses until he was dripping sweat for like, on there. I think the Wi-Fi is, is did the Wi-Fi go out for a sec? Yeah, you're, you're coming in up, but the audio is usually really good. So, you know, just, just roll with it. Gotcha. So he was basically just saying he just was holding these poses and he got shredded like that. I don't know. It just made me think of that. But so yeah. what, it, what what's the, what's the benefit to doing it that way? Well, okay. The, um, it's just like a take on it. Um, uh, I, I, we can come back to it. I, I just want to make the, the point that I'm trying to make is that this is one of the like leaders in the industry and he was right on the road for me. And I, and I was like, even I knew who he was. My really good friend, Sam Topping is also a strength and conditioning coach. And he was like, he, he in, uh, interned with him and just like the fear of like, what if somebody told me, no, I, I, you can't meet with me. Like, that's all it was. It was this fear that I wasn't good enough to be in that conversation. And, um, and then I got right. to su Southern California. I'm like, well, if I'm, if I'm able to hold a conversation with this community, I can hold a conversation with anybody because Southern California is the hotbed for baseball. And there aren't, you know, the, 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 if there's going to be somebody that knows what they're doing, they're, they're usually here. Um, so anyway, that, that's kind of, um, I've just realized that that wasn't very helpful, right. For me to sit in my own world and think that I'm doing it the right way and that these other people couldn't be doing it our way. Um, since we've, you know, even as the podcast has evolved, we've done such a better job of just like, Jay, just tell us all about you. And it's crazy how much that um, it puts us in a position, like you already said, where we, we just get to connect people. And and we've brought people, I think, already. And, and me personally, like I have brought people into our circle that I was a little bit skeptical of. And I've just been blown away by the things that they teach us. And it's always, it's it's fundamentally driven by the idea that Jordan Peterson tells everybody that the people that you hate or you you are missing out on things because they know things that you don't know. So people that you don't like, you should probably reconsider that because the reason that you don't like them is because you don't understand them and they hold things that you can't know. 100%. I agree 1,000% 1, 1, what you're saying. They have also, um, what I would say is I was handcuffed at the beginning of when I, I remember now going back, you guys, you know, I think about when I first started coaching and just learning, I was severely handcuffed by the idea and notion of worrying about what a coach next to me that was training another guy that was a, a more experienced coach was thinking about the drills that I was doing with my guy. And if he thought that they were, and I would constantly be peering over to see like, is my athlete better than his athlete? Is my, is my, is my training method? Is my drill design? When I design a drill, is it, is it something that, and I, I got, I got completely, the athletes suffered because I got to a point, and I think that if any young coach that's out there gets to this point, you're going to unlock a lot of stuff. When you can truly understand that, that player feedback is what you're looking for, what I'm looking for, it, not coaches' feedback. I like to talk to coaches. I like to collaborate with coaches. I like to learn with coaches. But ultimately, if my player, it, that sometimes can put you at a ceiling. Why do I want to just think 
exactly at this level. If I have a drip like, like you did, Cass, the other day, you weren't talking to another coach when you started thinking about those fingers. Something clicked in your mind at that point because your mind was already open to, to, to learn something new or look at it something a different way. So you started with an open mind. Then you try to diagnose a problem and you said, this is what I want him to move like, or this is what I want him to feel. How can I do that in a, in a creative way that it, it doesn't matter? Once you start doing it that way, once I, once I stopped caring, essentially, what other people thought, man, I started to really start helping my players, better players started to show up, pro guys started to show up because they were like, dude, this guy, he, he makes you feel a certain way when you go in there. It's not just, uh, you know, I'm getting my work in. I, I'm able to actually enjoy getting my work in, right? It's now become um, a, a little bit different in that way. So yeah, I, I, I feel like if, if you're, you're right on the, on the um, on point with that stuff, guys. I've legitimately been telling, I, I told this kid, seven-year-old that I was talking about, I legitimately am thanking these kids. I'm letting them know, I'm like, listen, bro, what we just did right there, maybe it's not that cool for you, but I just had a huge breakthrough mentally because of the, like you not being able to understand me at the beginning, I know that was kind of frustrating, but it made me figure out a better way to say that. And even if it wasn't that great for you, I just, you thank you so much because that just opened a huge door for me. So I've kind of had this like huge shift since um, joining John and, and a lot of it's, you know, to his credit of like allowing me to be myself and allowing me, you know, uh, uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you, John. Do you remember um, t like how gun shy I was to give you my opinion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, like it, he, it, he, Go. I was going to say he, he wanted to shadow and, you know, regurgitate the same language that I was doing. And I was like, ah, I said, it does. I don't think you need to repeat the same phrasing. I mean, you're like, you, the ideas are different, you know, and even how um, I had approached um, throwing, I had talked to other guys doing the same thing before and just kind of picked their brain and how they go about, you know, start to finish, you know, uh, I asked them about, you know, when you get a brand new client, how do you go about, you know, starting with, uh, you know, just the basics, trying to learn how the industry works, how to, you know, put the best possible product ahead uh, in front for the clients, because really that's what you're trying to do. You know, we're um, trying to create pitching gangsters. That's pretty much what I've summed it up to, because, you know, there's a way to actually understand the game of, of baseball. And, and especially as a pitcher that, you know, we are taught these things in fear that don't make sense. Um, and so, you know, cast, displaying that also in the same thing, you know, with, with trying to make sure the guys are doing the right stuff, you know, it took him a little bit to be able to be comfortable with like, he's, we got six, nine to 11 year olds in this group throwing, and we're just going to do a shuffle fire strike competition with the radar gun on because they're not used to throwing with the radar gun anyway. And, and number two, they love to compete and do fun stuff. We don't want to do mechanical breakdowns of those guys because they don't even have the arm strength to be able to do anything. And at that age too, we know if the kid has bad patterning, he'll actually feel it right away. And they're not very good at holding their emotions yet. So we'll just look for their reactions and keep them inside the game of competing to see who the best of, at shuffling and throwing the ball above 55 miles an hour in the boxes, you know? And so yeah. if you can create those competitive environments, but also allow them to have the freedom, like we were saying, you know, it, it, for Cass's point, you know, him coming from that giant facility, uh, 
and with the 25 cages and the weight room and all that stuff. And then here's me. And I'm just like, now we're just going to kind of chill with it and just do it this way. A little more low key, try to fill the music, have a little fun with it, you know? Well, and the thing, the thing was, is I found myself like, and he alluded to it a little bit. I needed to say it the way that he said it. And so what I am is I'm a blueprint stealer. But what I've learned is that my blueprint is so much more valuable than everybody else's right to your point. And, but it's what makes me good. And it's also what holds me back in ways. Right. Um, so yeah, there was, there was just a, a learning process of, I didn't feel like I could actually be myself until I was an expert in John Sintas. And um, I just, it's, it's, it's a learning process. It's, it's having the, I think, honestly, Ferbs, what it was is courage. I didn't think that I, it wasn't that I was like losing that fear. I still have the anxiety of like, you know, if I, if I'm talking to somebody that I feel like is a little bit out of my league in any way, right. Um, I'm going to, my heart rate goes up. I get super freaking emotional. You know, if you challenge something that I say, like I'm going to take it more personally than the average person. But now I'm realizing that yeah. I can just, I, that's courage. I just need to have some guts and, and just keep going. And, and it's been, it's, it's been a fun ride, man. Well, I know that, I know the feeling that you, that you're, that you describe very well, because when people, for some reason, I don't know why it was like this, but the more of a following that you, you start to get on social media, I guess more people are interested in the things that you're doing, I guess, with these guys. I got invited um, to a couple of different bigger, bigger, I guess, conventions or events to, to, to speak. And the one I went to uh, uh, last year, Lance Wheeler, um, Pitchapalooza. Have you guys been over there? That we were just we're, so we're planning we went to ABC. Yeah, yeah, we went to ABCA last year, and I'm like, John, we might need to go to Pitchapalooza. And then he just like couldn't believe how cool ABCA was. So I think we could go to ABCA all of them. Is for... AB... Yeah, ABCA is 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 cool. It's just it's almost gets overwhelming after a while. You can only stay in that convention center for so long, a couple hours at a time, right? Um, the and I I liked it a lot because you can network over there. The pitch of Palooza's, I, I feel like it's more learning um, with um, a bunch of guys that, uh, I don't know, it's wild. Like, he basically, Lance asked, you know who Lance Wheeler is? Yeah, we've had him on the podcast. We, yeah, core velocity belt. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. So, so he asked me to speak, of, and I get that, but it doesn't give you any outline of what to say or what to speak on. He's like, just do whatever you want. I'm like, what? What do you mean? You know what I mean? And like people are coming in there like Zach the Champ from TCU and and Paul Paul Nyman, um, um, you, you know uh, Kyle Bodie and all these guys, right? Yeah. And and um, it's tough because you you go up there and you say is is the stuff that I'm not on that level of knowledge as far as um, mechanics, data, and all this, but then you then I think to myself, but I'm not here to talk about data mechanics. So why am I why am I trying to talk about something that I'm not, that is not my expertise, right? So I felt a lot more comfortable, you know, and, and it was, a, I don't know, a hundred different co college coaches, pro guys that were sitting there listening to me talk just like we're talking right now. But in the beginning, man, it's tough, Cass, to get get through that first initial phase of, um, you know, getting off the ground. Once you start going, I feel like it's, it, but it takes practice like anything else. Totally. Totally. And, it, and it's something that has helped me also relate to athletes, right? Because it's like, man, anything that can kind of knock you down a peg, I'm really good at creating perspective with it. You know, I always talk about, um, 
since graduating college, I, I didn't play, I played amateur baseball after that, but um, I've done CrossFit, I've done Olympic lifting, um, I've done things that got me out of my comfort zone. And I remember vividly when I started doing Olympic lifting, I was like, I know exactly how to do a clean jerk snatch in the sense that I can get the, the weight over my head or I can get the weight there, but I have no idea how the right way to do it is. And so that learning curve and then having somebody that was very intelligent tell me those things and me being the very like analytical intellect that I want to be, I had no idea. I'm like, bro, can you make that way more simple for me? <laughs> like, I don't yeah. want that whole long story. And, and like that I was hearing myself in my coach and that really helped me like change my perspective. So at the end of the day, um, it, it's, it's occurred to me to look at it through the kid's eyes um, as often as I possibly can. And um, I always say like, oh, I don't know if it was bad coaching or just like my immaturity you know, why I wasn't more like into this. And it's really just like a lot of kids can't, right? Not a lot of kids want to play well, baseball and think about how their body's moving. They just want to play. Well, that, that, that's a big, a big problem that you see in a lot of instruction. Number one, with the young guys, especially starts, we always, everybody likes to focus on these big leaguers and what they're doing and how they're moving. And that's what we should emulate. Yes. But when you're setting kids back two and three years in their development, in the beginning of their, in their, the beginning stages of it, it becomes hard to be able to teach them how to unlock a, a, a sequence to create velo or to hit a ball hard or to swing a bat. And when you're doing, when I see guys doing really like meticulous constraint drills or even trying to make super small mechanical adjustments in a kid that has no body awareness, it doesn't happen and people get frustrated and, and they put it, they put it on social media and you look at it you're like, well, okay, that that's not even, even though he's talking and saying, this is what this drill does. The player's not doing it. He's not executing the drill. So half of it comes with the execution. Is the player able to execute what you're asking him to do? Or are you just doing something because you think you're going to get views or create a conversation? Because if it's just to say, Hey, uh, you know, hey, coaches, what do you think of this? You know, what do you, coaches, uh, comment in the bottom what you think. Now you're just trying to start a conversation rather than I would like, I, I think the, the right question is to the player. Player, what do you th think of this drill? Has it helped? Do you feel like when you go out in a real game, is it helping you execute and win? Or are you just doing things in practice to look good in practice when it doesn't matter? And um, you're not retaining that information and it's not translating that actually counts. Just like with Jordan, you guys talking about that before. You know, it didn't seem like the guy, he was a monster in practice, but that's not when he, that's, that, that's not it. You know what I mean? That's well, not enough. And the crazy thing is like when I'm, okay, so like right there, you're, you're, you answered my question exactly. And I'm sitting here going, you know what? I should be asking him more shit about personalities and the way that he does kids because it's like, that's the part that you fucking are really good at. And that's also the part that gets people jacked up. So like when you lead with that and you make people feel a certain way, like you said you do and you obviously do, right? Like then the movement can happen. Like the movement is more likely to happen. So one thing that we have, dude, you got, and I know you, you have a million people in your thing, but like we have a guy in town, their place is called S10 Fitness and the guy's name is Chris Daly. And they assess athletes through first their vision and then their balance in their vestibular system or their ears, right? And I've never heard anybody do this. And hold on. What it, who said, hold on? I think Ferber did. 
There you go. Um, what's that? that? No, no. I just wanted to make sure. Can, can you guys see? Can you guys see me again? Yep. Here? Yep. Were you able to hear me? You guys okay? I had I completely lost you guys. Oh, that's yeah, cool. I, I, I didn't hear. I, my Wi-Fi totally went out. Right there. Could you just, just go back, Cass, and just start where you were? Were you talking about the end? Yeah, yeah, John. Uh, what, I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Can you hear me okay now, Cass? Yeah, yeah. Help me, John. You were talking about you were, you you were, talking, were talking right about, about the end of talking about how you wanted to get into his oh S10 S10 fitness. Yeah, yeah. S10. So S10. So it, it made me realize. So we have a kids come in all the time. I mean, definitely not name names here, but I had a we had a kid that was maybe a sophomore or junior in high school come in maybe three four months ago. And I could tell right away that there was a really interesting dynamic between him and mom. And I kind of like, you know, I had a conversation. Usually what I do on day ones is I kind of show the kids the thing. And then I go talk to the parents as John runs them through the thing. So I can make sure that I know, hey, you know, day one, I want to make sure that you know that if you have a problem with me, you need to tell me. And if I have a problem with you, I'm going to tell you. And we're going to have complete open communication because that's the only way it's going to work. So anyway, I dug into this kid and he's exactly like me, but he's like, we're, we're talking about personalities. He's the, the, the bottom spectrum of like when it can get, you know, when my personality can kind of go negative, right? So everybody's personality has this different level of like when it's at its best, when it's at its worst. And I could tell right away that this kid's just struggling. Sure. And so what it, what it turns into is there's so much self-doubt behind everything that it freezes him. So this kid's like freaking 16, 17 years old. And I would say just like, hey, put your feet in this position. And he was so scared of doing it wrong that he couldn't like he needed, do, do you mean like this? You know, those kids that need that affirmation on every single thing. And, and what I'm getting at is I wasn't only able to do it with what I say or how I acted. I had to use other tools. So we've got some like mental training tools where I can just be like, hey, go through this process and they don't understand it. There's no explanation. It's just like, this is so simple. Go through this. And it brings them down. And as soon as I realize this, I'm not, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just like, if you have anything, as soon as I brought them down, all of a sudden his throwing got infinitely better. I go, this has nothing to do with the technique. There was no way that you were ever going to be able to execute anything if you felt as uncomfortable as you did there. And, and just like, I, I just, all I'm saying, man, is like, I, and this is full transparency, Ferbs. Like I have followed you forever. And being a, a kid from the middle of nowhere in Minnesota, I literally didn't know how to hear you the way that I can hear you now. And, and I know that, I'm serious. I know that that's really common with people, right? So they're only gonna have their ability. So you have to, you as the coach have to draw that out in them. And then I think the point is, is watching people like you who lean into that as the priority your kids are always going to be better because your technique, it doesn't have to be as good as the other guys. Cause your connection with them, like how many dudes will just like run through a wall for you? Like, yeah, it's tough to get uh, that. And when you get that, when you get it, where when you get it, where guys are on like auto kill mode and they just like, they just come out and they just love playing the, 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 the instruction level during the game goes down and the play goes up and they're all practiced and you see the little graph and instruction level goes up. What we have these days is we got guys trying to instruct during games. We got guys trying to trying to over manage, over coach. And, and it's because it started by 15 or 20 years ago when you bring everybody inside and we don't do a, have a balance of one, pick up games, competing with your peers. I don't care if it's 
wrestling, boxing, riding your bike down the street so you can jump higher on a bicycle. I don't care. And then you have also the sufficient training on this side where you're like, I'm getting better, I'm getting better, I'm getting better. Up, oh, back to the game. Okay, this is what I did in the game, getting better, getting better. The, the, one of the benefits that I had with seeing all different kinds of kids and actually being on the field, there's a breakdown in communication between the private sector, trainers, and guys that are field coaches. And it's because everybody's got this ego thing that they can't say, they can't share. Like what we're doing, it's, it's, it's impossible because somebody either wants to take credit for a dude being a dude or somebody wants to take, or somebody wants to, somebody gets their, their feelings hurt because they want to say, I got this guy committed somewhere. I did this or I did that. We didn't do anything, dude. Nobody cares. Nobody cares who Mike Trout's uh, hitting coach was when he was 14. Have you guys ever asked, has anyone ever asked that question? Who was Mike Trout's hitting coach when he was 14? I don't no, think you needed one. No, no. I don't, I don't remember anybody else. I'll even go further to say there's probably not one person in the entire world that said that guy right there at 14 is going to be the best hitter of this entire generation. Not one scout, not one evaluator, not one guy. I know the guy in New Jersey, Tri-State Arsenal, that actually, and he's a, he's a solid player, you know, good player. I mean, good, never would have imagined he was going to be the best, right? So all these things that people try to box guys into, and then so what happened was I had a team of guys. They all got D1 committers, 26 guys that got brought to the recruit process. Guys are right now in the SEC, everybody, ACC, Vanderbilt, UNC, whatever, Boston College, uh, Duke. They're all over the place, right? And about a third of the lineup, a third of them practice conventional hitting. About a third of them practice uh, like grip and rip, more like um, max effort swings where they were like up the velo, exit velo swings. And the other third did kind of rearward barrels. They tried the teacher man, that style, all three. Okay, they tried all, all three. So I was literally watching it play. I was watching all these guys. I had the benefit of it because most teams, they train under one, under one roof. I had guys that were from five different, six different states on one team. So they were all training these pockets of guys, these trainers that I had to communicate with, pitchers. I had guys that were stock righties that were 88, 89, 5'10", 5'11". They got scholarships, right? I had guys that were tall 6'5 righties with low three-quarter arm slots that are at UVA, 6'5", Matt Wyatt, right? He's a freshman there. He's, he was 91 and 92 with like a 76-mile-by-hour wipeout slider. Then I had soft lefties. I had guys that were power pitchers, some, some, a couple of them, all different types with all different arm slots, right? Um, and the, the, what, you, what we found out was each third of the lineup, some of them raked and some of them struggled. The conventional guys, the grip and rip guys, and a thing. And what I think most is when I look and we look over the years of why stuff, certain stuff does at certain times, everybody wants to figure out this solution that just fixes it. And, and, the, and the people want to come up with this. I've solved hitting. It's this equation. X equals Z underscore. Take it to the third power. And then you unlock Bryce Harper's swing. Dude, there's too many variables. Too many underscore that's an a it's a new it's a new it's formula. a new hitting thing yeah you, it's the formula it's a new, 
That's, I just created. I just. I just created an algorithm on Cutter Nation podcast. I just created an algorithm, <laughs> a new algorithm. Hey, it's X equals MC squared underscore yes. to the third power. Nobel Peace is. winner of 2020, Jason Ferber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the guy John Nash in that movie, A Beautiful Mind, where he solves all the problems. Yeah, so so when I look at that, you go, okay. And then I would look at these guys and you go, well, the, the bottom line is when it really comes back down to anything, train however you want to train, but most really, really high level athletes will always revert back to what they know what works during competition. So if you're having them do some silly shit in practice, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but you're just doing it. If he's a good athlete, he's probably going to be say, Hey man, Cass, do some head spins over here. It's going to help you hit, do some head spins and do some, uh, do some windmills and pop and lock a little bit over here. I want to see you do that. You're going to go, you're going to go, all right, coach, I'll do that. You know, and you'll do it. And then, and then if, if, if you have success in the game, hey, it was that new drill, the pop and lock we did the other day. That was giving us, you know. It was the algorithm. You know, yeah, it was the new algorithm we worked on. That's, that's why one of, one of the reasons why I like the data, the, the data stuff is because it, it stops a lot of the, a lot it of exposes the, uh, people. Yeah, the speculation and you, and you, you can program a little bit more. And listen, I, I, I've done it too. I'm not saying, I think everybody, when you start out, you have to do some experimentation in, in order to become a good teacher at anything. They have teachers that got to intern. They got to be substitute teachers. They got to go in and learn and shadow somebody so they see, oh, that's what I do. If this situation comes up in the classroom, that's how I react to it. You can't just throw somebody in. I see some dads out here. Literally, they're a baseball dad, and overnight they became a hitting coach. <laughs> how? And wear jeans. How did you? Bro, how did you morph? First of all, how do you morph like a mutant? You morph like from a from a. I'm just a. Re I work at the at the coal factory, and tomorrow I wake up and I'm a hitting coach. How? It. it I don't think it works that way. You have to have like life experience, trial and error. You don't have to play in the big leagues, but you have to have at least like learned information and shot at somebody for a couple of years and seen a bunch of different things. So now you know how to diagnose problems. And you're not, because experimenting is cool if you're doing it for free, right? Once you start charging people, that suggests that you actually have some knowledge that you're going to impart in them, right? And so a lot of what I see out here is people experimenting on people and charging the people to experiment on them. So like, you know how NYU or any of these colleges do like a sleep study? And they'll pay you, they, they pay you to come in and sleep in their laboratory and they get all this feedback, right? You guys have seen that? Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. You never saw them do sleep studies and things like that, Cass? No. Colleges or different laboratories, they'll say, we'll pay you money. It's literally, we'll you pay said, you money to go. <laughs> Dude, it, they'll pay you money. So, But that's the difference. Hitting coaches that are just starting out, instead of paying people to experiment on their swing, they're charging people. So I don't know. It's a little bit, little bit, little bit in reverse. Well, you you, you bring up a lot of. Hey, I'm not ignoring issues. you, but I just realized that I have to. I was supposed to call somebody at 11 Minnesota time, so oh, go, go. I'm not ignoring you. I just got to text him and let him know. Get on, get uh, on. What what, uh, what I really resonate with what you're saying, Jay, is is that what it comes down to, and what we really rely on, and the that you. Remember, I remember Cass remembers 
sounds like the, the genesis of, of when we fell in love with it, right? Your, your stickball game. It's what sticks out to me every time, right? Where, you know, it, Cass and I have this argument all the time and, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's to his credit is that we're over here talking about the mechanics of the swing, right? Which is like one third of the equation, right? And, and everybody's obsessed with the mechanics, obsessed with the mechanics. And we, we see it all the time. Like I just got a DM a second, literally a second ago on here where a kid was asking me what his mechanics were based on his height and weight and based on his age, right? Well, Jay, guess where the video was? From the side. It's from the side, right? So what's he trying to show me? In my mechanics, do you see anything that's wrong? Well, when the ball leaves the frame, right, I have no idea where it's going. So if you can't even trust yourself on where you're moving and how you're doing it and the ball doesn't go where it's supposed to, what are you worried about the height of your elbow for when you haven't even figured yeah. out how to throw the ball where you want to? Like, it, right. it, it seems to me I'm with you because there's everybody's looking for this secret sauce or the answer or the solution, and they're trying to define all this stuff, and it's literally right in front of you. Like, it, it's it's as easy, you know, uh, uh, as, as, as understanding exactly what you're doing, you know, like, and how you, you, you evaluate it yourself. One of my favorite That's questions a- on this, go ahead. No, you, you know, you know, Lance Wheeler. You know, you. I was just saying that guy Lance, and I don't know if yeah. I was telling you that uh, we talk about that Johnny spin rate. It was he. You're talking about the same stuff he talks about. Where it's instead of going, instead of going to, all right, the kids 11 or 12 years old. We're trying to have him throw it in 10, right? He does. He just is. He's guiding balls. He's just trying to get strikes. He, we don't really. He's not really letting it eat. Right? He doesn't know what it is to let it eat. And yep. Lance Wheeler. Um, back in the day, I was told one of the reasons I always loved talking to him is because I would say, Hey, Lance, what are some drills I can do with pitchers? I have no idea what I'm doing with pitchers. I don't have any clue what I'm doing. I'm like, I feel like this kid has a good arm. It's loose, but he doesn't try to throw the shit out of it. Really, I can't see that. He goes, Well, some of that is with age, right? And testosterone and how you develop until you get that man strength where you really do it. But there are young, younger kids that throw balls hard. And, Instead of taking them to the sports 3D biomechanical thing and hook them up with all the EA Sports suction cuffs, before doing that, why don't you just fill up a glass jar with some pennies, right? And then give him a handful of rocks with his friends and tell him, put it on a bench, right? The glass jar and just say, chatter it. You don't want to be the guy that hits the glass jar and it bounces off. Everybody clowns you, right? Be like, dude, you're soft, dog. You know what I mean? Like, you have to. So, it, so you. Get, so you yeah, so you give the purpose. Now now the guy's got purpose. Now he's going to move down the mound with some purpose. But you, but why did, Why can't it be that simple? Why do we have to say, no, 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 no. We got to get him into a into a sports science laboratory. Like, no, dude, you got to get him to throw hard. That was yeah, my we, favorite thing from his podcast was he was talking about his nine-year-old and he said, I've never told him anything. I've told him to throw the ball hard, right? With a, And I've had him on a radar gun. Like he's seen his velo, but then I have him break bottles. I'm like, I, I bring this up to people all the time. And I'm like, as soon as we have the ability to have our own place, I'm dead serious. We are having a place where you can blow up bottles. I would, it's <laughs> going to be the funnest thing of the game. You know, every month, if we did it once a month, that'd be the highlight of the month every time. Like, and Every talk time. about content, content, slow-mo blowing up bottles. You kidding me? With like, yeah. with like that's those size rocks that are smooth, the ones you can find by the lake that you skip them like yeah. 50 times. Yeah. But just don't, don't let somebody spike a fastball or something. Somebody get killed out there. Well, <laughs> safety first. <laughs> well, yeah, Cutter Nation, you're going to have to sign the waiver. 
uh, make sure that you do your arm care routine before you start slinging rocks over here into the, the area. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it, you know, I, on, on the same idea, uh, what you're saying, Jay, I love the idea of your team. And, and when we talked in you know, Nashville a little bit and how we've kind of communicated over, over this time frame is, you know, that version of the team that you have, I want to just compliment you because I don't think people understand what it is, right? I we're also heard about, that. But we're talking about a non-adult, no coach, no parent way of playing baseball because of the freedom that you give these guys, right? Like yeah. you, hey man, just don't look like an idiot. You know what I mean? Like that's the basic idea of what we're trying to do, but go out and be flashy and try to make that junior play and bat flip, and do all that stuff. Because when the parent, we already know, like if we, we had a girl play a real baseball tournament and there were no coaches there, how do you think that game would go? How do you think the game would go after? Because we, we know how it happens every time, right? When you see the way competition in sport goes, the first guy to start talking, that says something, starts the other guy, that starts the other guy. Then it turns into the whole thing where now it gets a little heated and, then, and now they're actually playing for what, to Cass's point with uh, Peterson, is play, which is that competition. And, and one of my favorite things and that we talked about on the podcast is when we do live at bats, and I'll throw to college kids or high school kids, I'll talk to them like it's you and me, Jay, and we're playing kickball in the middle of the at bat, and they have no idea what's going on, right? Like I, I distinctly remember pumping a fastball inside uh, to, to a lefty, and he kind of took it and like did his head motion like that, and I barked at him. I was like, I was like hey, man, swing the bat. And he like looked at me like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, I got a head bat. What are you doing? Swing the bat. Did you guys see the the Trevor Bauer thing last night um, with um, him versus uh, Miguel Cabrera? No, I didn't. I, I don't know how the I don't know if the full video is there, but he so it, you got to go watch it. But it's you know the short version of it is he throws a fastball up and in first pitch of the at bat, and Cabrera leaves the whole dirt, goes like almost in the grass, and is barking at the dugout saying, "What the hell are you throwing me inside? Like, what are you doing?" And then he was also talking to the catcher at the same time in Spanish, going like, dude, I'm just I'm just clowning right now. And and then Bauer had no idea. So Bauer was like, he does his little circle around the rubber. He he looks up and and Cabrera's 15 feet away from the box. And then he I, I'm assuming the end of the thing is because it was like when when Miguel Cabrera like tricked me, it was like he probably just threw him the same thing or whatever it was, but he wasn't playing the game. This is the whole point is that Miggy has the ability to say, I'm going to come in today's game and I know what Trevor Bauer likes to do. He was apparently looking for a slider away, I think was what he said. But like he was he knew that he he planned to do those antics before he went in the game. Like that was part of his that was that was his approach. His approach was I am going to make this whole big display and that's going to give me a pitch and I'm going to win a game because of it. It's crazy. And kids just, they, they aren't allowed the freedom to even think like that, right? How do you do that in a respectful uh, way? How do you do that in a way that isn't like being a douchebag? Cause there's a way to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I saw some, I've seen some pretty crazy stuff in, in those big league sprint training games um, too, where you kind of can get in close to, to the action. And uh, I think two years ago, who was it? These guys like um, was rehabbing um, with the Blue Jays, and he was um, he had some abs, but he was like before the game was like talking to a couple of guys in the in the, in the BP area, and he knew 
the guy was going to that uh they were gonna try to they were gonna try to get him with a slider, right? And so he the first pitch of the A he and he said before and he said, I'm going to make myself look silly and then I'm going to absolutely tee off on this dude. And he he swung at a first pitch slider in the dirt. Um and made himself look foolish, a little bit foolish. Like, what what, what the hell are you doing? And uh, another fastball in he took. Next pick, slider for strike, tattooed at like 400 feet. And people were just like, dog, nobody's swinging. Nobody, nobody is doing that type of stuff at low-level baseball at all. Zero. Not one guy's thinking like that. No hitter. Because you don't have to think like that. Because pitching will always dictate what we do as hitters. And a lot of the hitting guys... They think that we can control our bat path, right? They think that swinging off of a tee or or front toss is getting working, right? It, it's there. There is no one bat path because there's a million different locations. So competing and adjusting for me, when I started working on those two things, I want to be on time, obviously, but competing and adjusting is that's it. Mechanical stuff. If you hit ball hard. You can go in reverse too. You don't. Everybody tries to build this swing to hit a ball hard. Why not try to hit a ball hard? And you have to do certain things in order for that to happen. You know what I mean? To hit backspin, rocket. You love have to do that. You know what I mean? And so why? Why? And that's why these kids every day, every time they have a bad game, or they or they throw bad, they walk a couple of guys, they, they, they uh, and they come in, and they they have excuses, and the excuses are always. Dude, I felt like my front side, like I, I wasn't, my, I was leaking on my front. I had a picture, this kid, dude, I had a picture of this kid, Jeremy, um, he was at WVU right now, right? And um, he, he was one of those guys that had an unbelievable talented kid, like one of those whippy ass arms that's like, you know those arms that are so fast that it like, it almost looks like they're not on time because it, like they shouldn't be on time, but they somehow get there. And it's just like, his shit was so amazing whippy. But he would always, if he was missing or he felt like the ball was sticking to his hand, it was always something. It was always something. I'm like, and I would come out there and be, and be like, he said in the middle of the game one time, like second and third, he's like, hey, am I leaking on my front side? And 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 he goes, do you see me leaking? This is what he says to me. I swear to you, John, I said, I looked at him, I said, I have no idea what the fuck you are saying right now. I have no <laughs> idea what that means. I don't know what that means. What does that even mean? What does that mean, Jeremy? What does it mean to leak on your front side? I have no idea what you're saying. I said, have you ever, have you, and I'm sitting here on the, on the, on the, with the catcher, all the team, and everybody's looking at me like, wait, I'm like, I'm not going to help you. I'm not here to help you because I have no idea what that means. So don't talk about it. I said, do you think about your front side leaking when you, when you were playing catch with, 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 uh, with, with Josh before the game? No. Okay. So why are you thinking about it was runners on second and third in a seventh? <sighs> It's, That's it, crazy. It's, uh, we we tell kids all the time uh, when they come in, especially when they're new, and they'll be they'll say the same thing. They'll they'll have a precursor before they even throw. Hey, uh, make sure that my front shoulder stays tucked in, or whatever. And I go, don't tell me something somebody else told you to say. Okay, let's not do that, right? No. Why don't we throw the ball and let the ball tell us what we're doing right or wrong? I mean, we talk about it all yes. the time. If you know how to evaluate. If you're doing something right or wrong, the ball will actually tell you if your front side is leaking, right? You don't need yeah. somebody else to be watching you go from there. That's a different thing. And at that point, now you're not now your goal set is off. You don't you're not even putting together what the idea is, right? 
You're over here worried about your front side and mechanics. Meanwhile, you don't even realize that the goal is to throw the ball in the strike zone, right? So you think somehow these are connected when in an athletic movement, uh, I, I said this the other day and I really liked it. So help me out with this, Jay. If you have to think about 30 ideas, right, to be able to have your mechanics be perfect, right? Yeah. You can't say 30 words in 0.4 seconds to throw 90 miles an hour. How in the world are you going to do that? You can't even say three. It's got to boil it's, down it's, to a and one idea. It's scientific fact that we can have many thoughts, but they come sequentially. So I can't think about Cass and think about you at the same time. I have to think about him and then you. I can't, if I'm swinging and I'm in a bat, I can't, if my, if my, if I have an aggressive approach, that's my thought. I can't have a defensive approach at the same time. It's impossible because the, the thoughts happen chronologically. So when you start flooding guys, if I'm th- trying to throw, if I'm trying to throw a sinker, and I start and, and I and I start thinking about what my knee's doing, you can only think of one of those. You can't think of the two at the same time. Thoughts don't come to humans in that way. Our brains don't work that way. They have to work in in, in each thought. Well, and I think so it's you- helpful. Yeah, I think it's helpful to help them understand like what the function of it is too. So like sometimes I might think like in a game, I'm just going to focus on my drive leg this whole entire day because that's right. the part of me that doesn't get in my way, right? So if I do have sure. you, you have to you also have you have to have some of these like safe words if you will, where it's like th- that doesn't mean anything to me, but it means everything to me. So like when I was a kid, um, you know, I barely played at all. Like I just am from the middle of nowhere, so I think I played like 15, 20 games. And, you know, I'd I'd have a bad game and every now and then my dad would just go throw to me at the local park. And all he had to say to me was like, when I was struggling, because we had that context, he'd just say, the park was Grove Lake. So he'd be like, hey, just Grove Lake baseball, dude, Grove Lake baseball. That means nothing, That there's nothing behind that. But it was this idea of like, there was nobody there. I didn't care if I swung and missed. I didn't care if it was a ball or strike. Dude, my dad could, my dad was one for 20 and throwing me a strike. So I'm swinging at balls in my eyes. I'm swinging at balls bouncing off the ground. It didn't matter, you know, and that was so helpful for me. And, and you know, the, the, the challenge is now is like that world doesn't exist for 99% of kids, right? There aren't teams where it's just like, okay, you're, you're the starting third baseman. Go play. Have fun. Like, it doesn't happen like that. I just, you, you didn't get cut from my high school team. You just made the team. You want to play? Sweet. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just, you, you can't, how do you recreate that kind of stuff? And, it, and it's, that's really the challenge is, you know, you're talking about your upbringing. How do you create that? You don't want to create that. Do you? No, no. <laughs> you don't want to create, you don't want to create somebody growing up in a crack epidemic just so they can right. hit baseball so they can compete. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, your perspective right now is going to be unbelievable. But, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> the thing is, I, I used to think a lot of it had to do with you know, uh, upbringing and, and how much money people have. But I found out later on that there, there's some guys that are from the projects that are lazy and have no drive and don't want to come out and go compete their ass off. I, I see kids that are super wealthy that are lazy and want to just hang out and get a free BMW to drive around. And then I also see kids from affluent families that are driven, crazy passionate about getting up and have to win. So I don't think necessarily it's a money thing. I think it's a uh, something that happens up here where you, 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 um, the thought of, you know, most of those guys that I see that are, that are the big leaguers that I hang out with spend any amount of time with, they're the same in golf. And, and if they play a game of Uno 
or if they even bake brownies, they want the best brownies in the world. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no like, oh, I'm competitive. Jordan oh, was so, Jordan. Right. Jordan was That's talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Jordan, Jordan was talking about that in his thing. Remember, he was saying like, it, it was, it was. I was so competitive, and even with his brother and stuff like that, that it's tough to kind of recreate and simulate that um, in a, in a, you know, you know, facility setting. You can get it with live at bats. You can get some juice in there, but it's something about you know seeing a guy with the other uniform on being out there with all your guys that you have worked in the off season with, you sweat with, you, you flip tires with them, you push sleds with them, you know, you, 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 uh, you picked them up when, when his girl left him, right. That's your boy. You know what I mean? And then you go to yeah. the field and now you can play, right. Because everybody that, but it's, it, it I, I feel like it's gotten a little bit weird as of uh, recent years, kids are confused as to why they're playing. And that, that's dangerous because um, it, when it gets to I'm playing because I want to get a scholarship, that's the reason I play. I'm playing because I want to get drafted. And it's, I don't know, I don't know how, how, um, how, like, you, how much you can hold on to that if it's not something that comes from somewhere different. I think that that could be a fleeting thought wanting to get a scholarship. And when you don't go get that one place that you thought you were going to get to, a lot of guys don't know, and, and especially if you've been given a lot of stuff, um, kids get frustrated, they end up quitting, they end up feeling bad, they end up, you know, not having a good view of themselves. It's the same humbling experience as when you go in a big field. And a lot of these kids, you see, I see a lot of kids around here, even on social media, on the little field, you're a phenom. You know what I mean? And the big field's a humbling experience. Now, those homers that you were pimping 200-foot homers, you know, bat flipping 30 feet in the air, for a 200 foot homer, like you're in Disneyland, right? Now you were Mike Trout yesterday, and this morning you can't buy a hit. Do you know? You know do you know John Peabody? John Peabody? No, he sounds like a, sounds like a professor he, at Cambridge. He's actually he has a pretty good Twitter <laughs> following. Um, and yeah. I'm I'm kind of surprised you don't know. Anyway, he's out here in San Diego, and he just posted yesterday. He was the number one 12 year old in the country and um, he's our age. So back in whatever, 98 or whatever it was. And right. he posted it because he's like, I did not get one big league at bat. So just so you know, your 12 year old self, none of that shit matters. He was 6'2 at 12. His numbers, he hit 40 home runs in like 20 games. 40. It was unbelievable. His, his <laughs> RBIs was like 150. Like what the hell? You know, and, and, and seriously, that actually can't be that cool. Do you know what I mean? It'd be, yeah. it'd be like us going back and playing high school. It's like, what are we doing here? And, and the right. fact that you, you really need some people there. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy, okay. man. I, I like the uh, idea you were talking about. I remember Jordan talking about, like, where he – I was telling Cassis where he creates his own um, motivation. Um, and, and learning how to do that um, – one of the ideas that just kind of resonated with me on when you were just talking there, Jason, was was um, being the best, right? Is what, you know, the kids are, aren't playing. They're playing for the D1 scholarship. They're playing to be in the pros, right? Well, if you're playing to be the best on the field in front of everybody that day, then that stuff will handle itself, right? And, and that's where the data helps you understand that and rank yourself, not in to compare, but to understand, like, what level you have to get to to even be considered into there. But still, like, we know the BPL Americans or, you know, the, the bullpen just aces that go out there and can just be in the training world maximum. But when it comes to playing, 
like, and, and you being New York, like help me out with the environment up there. I'm, and I don't know how it is, but I can only imagine for the guys that I've played with that are from New York, like the level of, of talking going on in the game and, and, and the psychological warfare going on. Like I just see people can't handle it, you know, the, and, well, and seen, I, I can't seen, only imagine how good that, how much fun that would be. Listen, not even, listen, I play recreational. This is in Brooklyn, recreational fast pitch softball. Okay. Right now with the sickest 30 to 50 year old guys, there's 50 year old pitchers in there that will strike out Mike Trout with a softball. I don't know how they do it. I have no idea how they put the spin on it. They, if you did pitch logic with that softball, I don't know what you find, but dude, you can put, you can, they can change it 40 miles an hour from a fastball to a changeup. I mean, you know what I mean? So, and make it look like it's coming out the same way. Like you spit, you swing twice. It's Woody Woodpecker stuff. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, 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 so, so those guys at their age, I've seen guys threaten umpires with a metal bat that they said they were going to break. They said they were going to kill them. Literally threaten a guy to kill somebody. Like they've had umpires. They've had to get so many new guys because guys were threatened to killed. And they say, I mean, at a certain point, I, I look at them and laugh because they're just crazy Italian guys and crazy Dominican guys and guys that say the wildest stuff, like literally cursing, talking about your mom while you're up to hit. You know, I mean, there's the wildest stuff. I mean, like, I look at them and I'm like, can we just play? You know what I mean? But I have fun out there. But even when they were young, when, when these guys are young, a lot of trash talk out there. Basketball too, man. These guys talk so much trash. I think that's good. A lot of kids... These days, if you don't if you don't go out to the schoolyard a lot and just pick up games with random kids, you know, when you do get eventually dudes do talk trash. You know what I mean? 16, 17, the best players. And I'm not saying trash in a in a in a it's like when you and you're competing with somebody, I don't like you right now. I'm not there's some kids that they go to play a kid in a perfect game and then and then before the game, they go on perfect game rankings and say, Oh my God, he's committed to TCU. We're gonna play against him right now. He must be really good, right? And like that, to me, that ain't it. I would say some other stuff, but I didn't go into that whole thing, but let's not keep it PG for now, right? Um, what I would say is, a lot, can you hear me right there, guys? Yeah, yeah good. So, so, so my, my earbuds ran out of energy. because This is the key. Them. You got to get two pairs like me. That's crazy. <laughs> But uh, so so yeah, exactly. So some of these guys, they'll they'll look up these guys and psych dome themselves, thinking about I'm like, how do you actually look at another man, okay, like that, like in awe of another man, like that's that's your own age. It's not like I can be in awe of Derek Jeter. That's cool. I can I can do that. I can be in awe of my job. I'm not gonna be in awe of a kid that's my age. That's crazy to me. I don't know. Even if he's really good, he's still my age. And that's just, you're not that much better than me. I don't know how you can play like that. I don't know. Yeah, so, that, so, the, so the trash talking part, um, I didn't, way too sheltered. And I didn't realize for the longest times that when my friends were talking shit about me, that was them like liking me. It literally, yeah. and, I, and I and I really, I'm serious. Like how many kids actually get to just like go and hang out with their friends from like noon to seven o'clock like most kids you know your age or my age we got to do it's just a different level so we see kids all of the time that it's not even close 
I, I can relate to it though. I understand it. Um, but even now it's like, yeah. And, and that's, that couldn't be more opposite from your, from your perspective. Do you know what I mean? So I, well, yeah. I when I was 16, I've been in games nowadays. I've been in games against play, like, you know, big, big, some of these big events, PG, perfect game, WWE, the world series, Jupiter, you know, Johnny, Johnny, all those places. Right. And, uh, a couple times, like they'll have kids on the other team that will heckle you so badly. Just teams from other places that come there, and and especially if you go in there and you're like, "Oh, this is Coach Ferber's team." Now they're like, "Oh, we really want to beat these guys because we want to be able to post about it." When you when you put yourself out there like that, then everybody wants a piece of you. Put a target on your back. Umpires would would not usually be really nice to us for some reason. We had a very classy team. I, my team was polished. I will tell you. We didn't do silly, stupid stuff. We everybody went hard and we played the game the right way, but they didn't like the, the flash behind it, right? Some of these kids would go like second, first or second inning. We come in, strike out the side the first inning, right? Some like dog was out there, like just letting it eat. And then like then like the kids would come in and our hitters would come up and all of a sudden you'd hear like these dudes would actually go on these guys find their their PG profiles, go search social search a social media page and be like Hey, I see you, girl Sad. Sherry. You're over. Yeah, I see you, girl Sherry. She looked, she looked pretty good. Um, <laughs> your trip to Nantucket was pretty good last summer. Like screaming that while guys are after me, I was like, man, you guys are like for me growing up. That's a fight. But again, you can't fight. You can't fight in yeah. front of coaches. That's the type of stuff that get kids get away with. That mm -hmm. after, after the game, like for me, after the game is over, if you're talking about my girlfriend looking at her pictures while we're playing in the middle of a game and talking yeah. to me about her, I'm beating you up after the game, okay? I'm, I'm not shaking your hand, whether it's corona season or not corona season, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say now, you wanted to talk a lot of, a lot of trash, Let, let's talk now and go, out the, and, and go to the parking. But that's the type of stuff you get. You don't get that if there's no authority figures. Think about it, if you're playing a pickup game on the street, you think somebody's gonna start looking at somebody's girlfriend out there? No way. They feel it happens all the time in adult league ball. Like if you look at like adult, like softball or adult baseball, right? Like someone starts talking and the next thing you know, there's the video. It's online and there's some dude, somebody's mad. You know, they, they brought a bat into it. I, I'm totally with you. But that's, you know, we. I don't think that in the, in the baseball culture, we know how to harness that. Like you're saying, like that's actually sportsmanship. And then afterwards they can, hey, man, no, no hard feelings, right? Like we were just out doing our thing. Uh, I remember being a junior. I was as sheltered as Cass was. I, I came from, you know, I was obsessed with baseball, but I had a, I had a coach my freshman year who said he was retiring, and he didn't retire for seven more years. So that's what kind of high school baseball experience that I had going into it. But with that being said, it, it was, it was really interesting to see that level of junior college where last year draft and follow absolute gangsters in the, in the conference that I was in, I think like something crazy, like a, a quarter of the guys were drafted and then another quarter of the dudes signed their draft and follow letters before the draft to do it. So we just, we, I was the slowest throwing guy at 87 in my freshman year of college. And we, and it went from 93 to hundred and I didn't know what, what I was getting myself into. I had no clue. Right. Current big leaguers right now. I saw them do stuff where I like, I don't want to name them because what they did was crazy, but, I saw a guy hit three home runs in the game. The first time he hit it, looked right at the coach, winked at him, went around. Our coach got like, oh, okay. Right, the next came up, smoked him in the back, right? And he looked at the coach, winked at him, and I was like, oh, I was like, dude, this guy's just not backing down. 
right? Gets up next day, B, bomb again, winks at him again. He's going, and I'm like, dude, no way, right? Well, it ends up being like close game. We get to the ninth inning, and it's like one run. Sure enough, this dude's up, right? He hits the ball. He's a lefty, and we're in the first base. Dugout. Hits the ball, spins around, looks at our coach, and says, thank you, Bill. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, that was the craziest thing I had ever seen. Like, you were yelling at a coach. Find out later, the guy got cut, right, the year before. And it was just pure motivation to show that guy that you made a mistake, right? And sure enough, second rounder, you know, and, and you find out the story later that he got uh, he got released because he was a bad clubhouse guy. But when you look at the stories of what it was, he was just creating that Jordan level of expectation where he's going to pick at you because you're not doing your job. You're, you're too much video games or you're, you're obsessed with your girlfriend. You, you know, that's what I heard. And they're like, no, nah, this dude's like all business. If you don't show up to the park and do your work and you're trying to win, then he's going to let you know. And so he was just misunderstood. And three bombs and an HBP later, you know, he single-handedly beat us, you know, and now he's a big leaguer. That just that just got me thinking of Vance. Um, we've been training Vance Worley, and he was talking about how the Vanimal developed. And he had Ken Revisa as an advisor, and he's he whatever the session was, um, and he realized that Vance talked to himself, and he's like, you should keep doing that, Vance. And he's like, now I just have full-on conversations with myself. And it's just like, when I got into that mode, it was just game over. And it's so cool because John and I were talking on the last podcast. I'm the, I'm melt. My face just melts and I go into like, nobody else exists right now. And I don't even care that you're there. Cause if I care that you're there now, I'm going to care that you're going to hit it. And I'm going to give, I'm going to make mistakes because I'm thinking about you. Right. And so it's, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with it. It's just interesting. Everybody's different. Man, you, you perform so much better in those, in those situations where you're in that flow zone in that state, you know, when athletes get in that flow zone, and they can perform. A lot of guys don't even know what that flow zone is. They don't. They don't understand what what gets the athlete to be able to perform like that. But if you take, you know, just young guys in general, and the way that they view authority figures, and the way that they view college coaches, you're never going to really get the exact thing that is supposed to happen. You're never going to get that. Not that there's two different versions of this game, right? There's that schoolyard game. There's that like college organized game. There's the little league game. There's, and then there's this big league game, right? There's an amateur, then there's a professional game and there's all these different things that, but it all starts and stems from that backyard pickup game, right? All those different, those different uh, types of games that stem from it. Soon, think about if you guys are in high school, you're sitting down with your boys at the cafeteria Everybody's like, yo, like we're going to we're going to hit some seeds. Hey Johnny, hey Johnny Spin Rate. Hey Johnny Spin Rate, we're gonna go hit some, we're gonna go throw some Cheetos and hit some seeds after the game. Meet us over here. All right, cool, cool. Hey, look, check out that shorty over there. She kind of she's kind of feeling you right now, Johnny Spin Rate. You know, all that stuff. That's how you guys talk, right? That's how you guys talk. Yeah. Now the principal comes over and he sits down right at you guys' table and he's like, Hello, boys, how you doing today? And here comes Johnny Spin Rate. Hello, sir. How are you today, sir? Right? <laughs> all of a Eddie sudden, Right, the pot, your posture gets up. You start eating with your. You're not eating like an animal anymore. Everything's hello, sir. You know, as soon as he's gone, ah, right. So, so, so that's why. That's why. When we we when we introduce 
authority figures in general into young guys playing a game, right? You're going to get a different feel. You're going to get different stuff that goes on. If you're not in touch enough or you don't have enough feel as a coach to understand what your presence does. And there's a lot of guys that don't even understand that their presence literally causes guys to screw up. Your, your presence, because your personality, I, I, and I'll just talk about me, I found out that, and I'm not saying you can't get guys to level up having a militaristic approach to baseball, because there's certain guys that grow up in that environment. We talked about that. They need more structure. They like structure. I have a kid on my team that just committed to West Point, right? Every other kid on the team goes, dog, you're going to be waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning to some guy with a bugle. They're like, they're like, and they, they mess around with him. They're like, dog, they're like, you're crazy. You're going to have to be like, get your mama's titty out of your mouth, soldier. You know, like, that's what it is What you go there. People, when you go to recruit, when the recruiting coordinator walks you around West Point, and I like West Point. Those are my guys down there. But, um, but um, when, 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 you, when you are on the campus, it doesn't actually reflect what's actually going on. He's telling you the good stuff. Then you're going to be in basic training. You know what I mean? So, but, but he, his personality really liked the idea of structured military type of schedule. Other guys were like, you're out of your mind. I would never go there. But guys, hey, listen, by, listen. I, my phone is about to die. How much you, you got? We we gotta we gotta wrap up. We, I mean, yeah, we can wrap it up. We're about hour fifteen in. This is great, man. We we'll, we definitely got to do this again. We got to get some more people yeah. in. I I, uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and chatting. You and I've had great conversations, whether you know talking coaching, life, logic, whatever. So um, you know, I appreciate you you taking some time and and. You know, I'm, I'm very, like I said, I'm very envious. I understand like what your um, organization does. I had, uh, in my own experience, I had a team after I graduated. I was an unrecruited nobody. And I played for an uh, basically the uncle of our starting pitcher, right? And he knew nothing about baseball. But he knew how to write a lineup card, and then he just let us play. And that was like one of the best teams I had ever played on. Like every person on that team played some form of college baseball. And then I want to say like 10 of them played professional. Um, and two or three of them big leaders. But the biggest thing I got from it was like, these dudes were gangsters. They didn't care what the uncle said because they knew he didn't know what he was doing. And they just ran the game. Like, we, you know, he, he didn't even coach third. It was hilarious. You know, like we had players coach third in the middle of perfect game tournaments, you know. And so, you know, it, like I said, if anybody gets a chance in your area, you know, if you get a chance to, to get, a, get a session from you, you know, I, I want to learn how to hit and how you're trying to do it. Right. You know, I want to hear the, the phrasing and, and just be around it. So my hat's off to you because you've, you've really brought a, a very positive, impactful light to the coaching world. Well, I'm, I'm grateful you guys would say that. And I got, first of all, my, uh, I told you I was going to come up with a nickname for Cass. And uh, the thing is, he looks like Jason Williams a little bit. You remember White Chocolate? You know, the basketball player, White Chocolate? I'm calling him White Chocolate. Johnny's been rating White Chocolate. That's, 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 Dude. Johnny, Johnny's been rating White Chocolate right there. So, listen, we're gonna have we're gonna have a uh, we can have another one of these. We, should, we can do one, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks. Something will come come back and reconnect and do another. There's a lot of more stuff, especially with the pitch logic thing that I want to talk to you about. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm gonna get your number. Nice I hope stuff. I can. I'm gonna text you and annoy you. Sorry, but. I'm not asking permission. Yeah. I'm telling. 
No, if you go, Johnny's got yeah, 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 sure. I got you, it. You, well, I got we could we could talk on the side of time, and also uh, maybe I'll uh, hopefully bring you guys on to something I do. I've been doing Zoom like interactive classes. Really, have not been. Doing oh, for sure. I do hitting. Yeah, stuff. I've got. There's something I definitely want to talk to you later about uh, with the sequencing of pitching. Uh, where we broken down the fast slow. We're going to get to that later, but we could probably do another three hours with all of us anyway. But you know, happens, happens. We don't have enough time, right? Well, guys, go hey, follow listen, uh, Jason. Uh, go ahead. Why don't you tell everybody just like how to find you and everything from there? Well, you can't find me because I'm hiding from Corona. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, at Jay, I'm at Coach Burbo on Instagram. I don't have a Twitter. Um, I just started a TikTok page just because I don't know why I did that because I guess uh, that's what you're supposed to do. I don't even know. I, I started a TikTok page so that all of the Chinese government could rob all my information. That's why, that's why I started <laughs> Page. And, uh, also, uh, um, where else? I'm not on Facebook. I'm not I'm just Instagram. That's it. You yeah. know, and you, Instagram's you, the spot. You can see me in the hood. You, if you, you can even see me on Instagram or come to the hood and you can see me playing stickball for a dollar twenty-five slices of pizza. That's it. That's the other place Bring you can Bring your hanger because oh, it's gonna end up in the gutter for sure. <laughs> hey, so I appreciate you guys bringing me on and uh um by the way, I'm actually might take a trip down to Atlanta, Georgia, in the next like week or two. I got a couple of guys down there that said they got a private field that it's done. I'm gonna see if there's a way we can almost start making tutorials. Once I figure out how do you do live abs um, and actually get guys work spread out, like how do you put five shortstops six feet apart and have them all take ground balls? How do you get outfitters working? Until we find out the date we can all actually play. I'm trying to try to put together a little tutorial on how to do it safely without getting a fine slapped on you or something like that, you know, but I have to get, so I'm going to probably bring like two P two pitchers, maybe like three hitters in groups for like maybe one hour groups where the guys are just trading innings, one inning, one inning, one inning, one inning, and, and guys are maybe taking, they're getting their IBs do like matchups. Maybe just put a, 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 a tire, you know, instead of a catcher in the back to throw to or something crazy old school. Cause you know, I haven't figured out the catcher thing yet. Um, but just figure out ways to, to, to add like some kind of suggestion and say, okay, maybe if we do this, we can play this way or this way, or this way. I don't see how you're going to figure that out with the catcher, but that's a whole nother discussion. I'm going to figure some stuff out. Sounds good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we love live at bats. Um, we'll, as soon as we, you know, you're in New the York, thing, California. The catcher thing is yeah. weird because of how close he is to the batter. Is that what you're saying? I guess in the umpire, and I don't know how. I don't. Oh know. yeah, that's yeah. They they keep saying they keep saying we're gonna we're, we're gonna let these young kids play, but the catcher's gonna be back six feet and just block balls. I said, what catcher would want to be in a situation where he can't frame a pitch and he can't has no ability to throw a runner? What is he doing? Picking up balls. And I can just imagine all the bruises all over this kid, like poor arms lit up, legs like, huh? What? Bouncing? I would not. I would not What's the pitcher aiming at now? Yeah. No, that's ridiculous. Have you seen how Korea does it, by the way? The what? Have you seen how Korea does it? The umpire and the catcher? Yeah. How are they doing it? Uh, they just clothe each other up. Like the umpire is fully clothed with the mask and no skin exposed, and the catcher's the same way. He has no skin exposed. He's fully masked. He has even his ears covered, Like, uh, and the catcher has to wear a uh, ski mask also. So they're, if Korea is able to do it, yeah, and then they're doing, um, they're also doing 
two um, temperature checks and two tests, one when you enter the building and then one before the game. But doesn't it take 14 days to actually show up? Now, in Korea, they have the um, that like five-minute test. Dude, Raj, yeah. the Synapse guy was telling me the same exact thing. Is like the, the thermometer thing is there's too many flaws in that. It's the solutions. Yeah. I'm I don't know, man. I'm I'm real skeptical on how we're gonna do this. I'm trying to yeah. Are you sure they don't? Are you sure they don't shoot you if the temperature goes up a certain height? They don't shoot you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's a good way to. Hey, why are these guys numbers? Why are these guys numbers down? Why are these guys numbers down so far? Hey, he's down. He's down today. Scratched him from the lineup. You shot that guy? No, he died from Rona. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's crazy. You made an illegal substitution. No, he died. <laughs> See, people don't understand like what baseball players are. Oh, we always try to explain like that. Unless you play ball, like you don't know what that level is. Like I've I've heard some football players, basketball players get there. I'm like, no one's nearly as dark and twisted as baseball players. For some reason, we suffer so much because of the amount of failure that we go to. Everybody's always goes to like the catastrophe level of whatever it is. Yeah, everybody be like, yeah, like he 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 passed away. We remember, but he would want us to be playing right now. That's what he would be. <laughs> I would listen. I oh swear. man. You're the Let's best. Stop again. Keep going, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, tip, tip your cap, tip your cap to me or whatever. But get back in the game, man. Get next pitch, dude. You don't gotta spend time doing that for me. Hey, listen. Much love, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it's been it. awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks for opening up and and getting everybody that that awesome brain. Yeah, you guys stay stay safe out there, man. I'm always I'm always willing to hang out, uh, do, share ideas with you guys. All right, be good. All right. Uh, Sounds good, man. Take care, boys. There we go. It's done.